Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler to preview Golden State's second round series against the New Orleans Pelicans. Scott, we're finally here. Western Conference semifinals. Um, you know, the the first round had its moments where it was pretty entertaining, but I th- kind of feel like that entire ser- series, we were all kind of looking forward to this matchup. It, it was pretty clear early on in that Portland-New Orleans series that this was going to be the matchup. Obviously, New Orleans swept Portland in four games and looked dominant in doing it. They're playing their best basketball of the season, um, and they look like a team that could really give the Warriors trouble. Um, before we really get into any analysis or anything, what are just your your big thoughts? What are your big takeaways uh, from this week of preparation entering game one on Saturday? Well, one thing I'm thinking about, you're talking about the suspense and everything, that the first round to me, I'll use the baseball analogy, it was kind of like that was spring training, and this round is now opening day, and the, the season begins for real now. Not to sell the Spurs short, because they're a tough team, and they, you know, they gave them a battle. They stretched uh, – what should have been a four-game series out to five games. And, and, you know, they have some tough players, but they're just not in the league with the Pelicans, I don't think. You know, they didn't, Spurs didn't have their best player and so forth. Um, this is a big deal. This is a big quantum leap. And I almost get the feeling that, that people are, are thinking if the Warriors can handle the, the, the Pelicans, um, they might have a clearer path all the way to the finals. You know, we got, I'm not saying the Pelicans are the, the, the best team left in the playoffs by any means. But a, a huge test, and, and if the Warriors can ace this test, then they're going to look really golden for the rest of the way. So um, game one is going to be huge, I think. You know, if the Warriors come out smoking and, and win the game, then I think they're, everybody's going to feel good. If they struggle or lose, man, it's going to be like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a tough one. I think game one is especially important because you look at the big question entering this series, which is can – Steph return or will Steph return in this series and I think the answer is he's going to return at some point it's looking unlikely that he'll return for game one uh it's it's still an outside possibility he's gonna he's getting reevaluated on Friday tomorrow um and then obviously game one is on Saturday um but he hasn't had at least until today as far as we know he hasn't had any contact work and he especially with a guy like Steph who's had an injury history this season, who is a two-time MVP, they're going to be as cautious as possible. They're wanting, they're going to want to get him several contact practices in before he returns to the court. And they're going to want to make sure that he's completely game ready and in game shape. So I think the likeliest scenario is that he probably returns for game three because you look at the schedule, it's, it hasn't officially been released yet, but the team is expecting their – there to be a long lag between game two and game three it's probably going to be game two monday in oakland game three friday in new orleans so you have a good four days there to get steph going and i, I would be surprised if he couldn't at least return for game three um so that puts some pressure on the warriors to really take care of business or when they're home in games one and two uh because if you're if you're going into game three, even with Steph coming back potentially, and you're down 0-2, yeah. even with Steph, that's a daunting situation to be in. 
Yeah, and uh, another thing, when, when Steph comes back, is anybody going to really breathe easily? Any any fans, all the, the other players and everything? They're going to be watching that, and every every move Steph makes is going to be like, is he okay? Is he okay? Is his knee holding up? Ooh, is it, did, he, did he tweak it? Is he okay? It's going to be uh, a roller coaster ride the whole way. Another thing is that it's, it's kind of funny because the, when the Warriors won their first championship – and the following year, when they would have won the championship, probably had Steph not been injured, they were a dominant team with two superstars, with Steph and Clay. And uh, and it's now you know that they have two superstars that are still on the court now, in and KD and Clay, and it's not enough. And I think maybe that says a lot about how big Steph is. You know, I'm not saying no, he's the best player in the league or anything like that, but he's vitally important to this team. I, they just can't. I don't think they can win the whole thing without him. And uh, so it's it's when he's going to come back, how he's going to be, how, what shape he's going to be in, is he going to re-injure himself? It's going to be a constant uh, drama the rest of the way. I'm personally not too concerned about his transition or easing him back into the fold or him having rust because you look at his his history. Every time he's missed missed extended time for an injury, in that first game back, he's been pretty dominant i mean there's obviously uh the western conference semis a couple years ago against portland where he went off and you know had the the big i'm back moment where he led him to a win and and there was even earlier this season against memphis where he went off for for one of his best games of the season after missing a bunch of time with an ankle injury um so i expect him to come out strong he's a guy who doesn't really need a lot of work to stay in game shape. He's kind of a physical specimen in that regard. Uh, he's almost always in, in shape, and he has a really good understanding of, of how to take care of himself and how to be at, at tip-top shape at all times. So I don't think that's a big concern. Obviously, the fact that he missed so much time with the ankle injury and the ankle kept being an issue off and on throughout the season, and then he comes back from missing a bunch of time and – and immediately gets that knee injury. Of course, the question is, can he stay healthy? Um, but you look at it, all those injuries were kind of fluke things. Like weird things happened in each of those. Either he stepped on someone's foot or someone stepped on, on his foot or um, JaVale just tumbled into his knee, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you can't I – don't, I don't think you can bet on something like that happening again. Um so I think that the Warriors should feel good about where he's at and the at least the the uh, hope that he will be able to play the rest of the playoffs with, with them when he comes back. I think that's there's a good chance of that. Um, but kind of looking at this matchup real quick, um, New Orleans versus the Warriors is, is interesting in that you know, both of these teams have star power. Both of these teams have elite players. They both know how to score the ball. They both play up tempo. Stylistically, they're actually very similar. They they subsist on movement heavy, up tempo systems. Obviously, Alvin Gentry is there as the Pelicans head coach and was integral in developing the Warriors offense in his first season in go- in his only season with Golden State, which was Steve's Steve Kerr's first season, the year that they won the two thousand fifteen. NBA title um so there's a lot of similarities there I think philosophically Steve and Alvin are very similar which is why you know they get along so well and and why they uh they've had such a strong relationship going back to their days in Phoenix um but 
another thing to to keep in mind here is there are a lot of interesting ties between these organizations. Obviously, we just talked about Alvin and and Steve, but uh, Darren Ehrman, who is the associate head coach for the Pelicans, who's considered a potential head coach in waiting, uh, was kind of the defensive coordinator for Mark Jackson in, in his time here and was really key in developing their defensive system and getting the Warriors to be a top five defense, which is something they've been able to build upon since. And I'm going to be curious to see whether that's an actual tactical advantage that New Orleans has, because this is a guy who worked closely in developing, uh, you know, worked closely in developing Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry. And so he knows what they do. He knows what they're about. And he's going to be able to go into meetings with the Pelicans and say, hey, this is how we attack them. This is what they're going to do. You know, this is this is the way we, we, we need to handle it. And he's a he's considered one of the best defensive minds in the league. And if you watch the Portland series, the way they were able to completely shut down Portland was they attacked Damian Lillard relentlessly throughout that series. They basically said, we're not going to let Lillard beat us. So they put him in situations where they were trapping him constantly with Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and getting the ball out of his hands and putting him in situations where not only were they getting the ball out of his hands, but they were funneling the ball to Aminu. So they were saying – and they were leaving Aminu wide open, who's not known as a great shooter. So they were saying, okay, let Aminu shoot as many wide open shots as, as he can. And if he beats us, great, fine, good for them. But we're not going to let Lillard beat us. And – Obviously, it worked to a T. I mean, they completely just broke Damian Lillard's will. I mean, this is a guy who who is considered one of the fieriest competitors in this league. And by game four, it looked like he didn't even want to play. I mean, he had some of the worst games of his professional career in that in that series. And obviously, the Warriors have more weapons than, than Portland does. But I think that's kind of a scary proposition, just having to go up against – a defensive tactician like like that. Damn, you got me scared. I'm thinking the Warriors don't have a chance now. That, that's some good points, Con. Um, going back to Ehrman, you know, he if the, if the Warriors are going to win this, he should probably get a ring because he really did when he was Mark Jackson's assistant. And incidentally, I don't think Jackson really wanted him as an assistant. I don't remember all the ins and outs, but um, there was some contention there. But there's no doubt that Ehrman was key to inst- – to change in the whole defensive culture of Golden State for, for decades it had been a running team that played no defense, especially under Nelly. Then under Mark Jackson, it just changed. They became a defensive team. He preached defense, he and Ehrman, and they, they turned Golden State into a defensive franchise. And, and Steve Kerr, to this day, gives them credit, and Jackson and Ehrman credit for that. And uh, so he deserves credit for that. I'm not sure how much of what he he did technically is still with him. I think there's probably been a lot of changes under under Ron, the assistant uh, defensive guru now, Ron Adams. Um, so I don't think it's I, – I, my sense is that it's not going to be a huge advantage for New Orleans, the fact that Darren Ehrman knows kind of what they're doing because I think uh, that stuff's all pretty much out in the open. Um, but I, it, it will be interesting to see what kind of adjustments he makes. And I – and I'll, I'll say this, he's probably, since it worked so well against Portland, I don't see any way they're not going to do something at least similar where they're going to just, just attack. 
uh, KD and Clay, right, and put a lot, heavy emphasis on them and just dare the other guys to, to, to score and shoot. And that's where, like, Draymond, if his three-pointer is still not falling, you know, if, it's, if, if he's cold from three and, and if uh, Iguodala is still reluctant to shoot and not, not uh, scoring much, and um, they're going to need some other scoring from other people. David West, West is probably going to have to get 12, 14 points a game, and, and uh, so it'll be interesting. Where I think the Warriors have the advantage here, even with Steph out, is the Warriors have guys who can defend Anthony Davis or at least give him some trouble. Uh, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, uh, even Kevon Looney a little bit. Um, but the, the Pelicans, in my mind, don't have anyone who can give – Kevin Durant real trouble uh, because obviously their best defender is Anthony Davis but if you're having Anthony Davis patrol to the perimeter he's not able to do what he does well which is stick down low and reject anything that comes near the rim and help out other guys down there and kind of you know lead all the traffic near the rim the defensive traffic near the rim um, they he's not going to be able to do what he does well if he's matched up with KD all the time. So there's probably going to be a lot of cross matching going on. There's going to Drew Holiday is going to take some time with him. Um, you know, some of their their bench guys who aren't super well known, Solomon Hill, um, guys like that who don't even necessarily play a lot might get more minutes uh, just because they don't have a lot of great defensive options. Now schematically, I think they'll probably have a good scheme in place, but. It, the question is, do they have the weapons, the defensive weapons, to actually enact that against guys like Clay and and Durant? And I'm not sure they do, and I think that's why the Warriors should be the favorites in this series. Yeah, this could be a series where uh, teams score a combined like uh, 240 points or something in the games. It uh, could be a lot of scoring, a lot of running. Um, give me some perspective, Connor, from your, your expertise as an NBA expert and a beat writer who's seen a million games this season. Um, Anthony Davis in perspective. This, this seems like a, a, the playoffs of big guys. You know, LeBron James is obviously dominating, and Anthony Davis is dominating, and Antetokounmpo, uh, um, Kevin Durant, seven-footers. And so you've got these huge, agile, amazing guys. It's kind of like a new generation, a new prototype of players. Where does Anthony Davis uh, rank? Is he the MVP this year, for instance? He's not the MVP of the league. I think that's James Harden. Uh, but I want to say I had him third in my MVP voting behind uh, James Harden and and LeBron James. Um, what he's been able to do, especially since DeMarcus has gone out, to still get them this far and to, to put them in a position to – succeed has been absolutely impressive obviously the best year of his professional career I think he has proven that he is the most dominant big man in this league um and he he's I say that because he's a two-way force he's not a guy who only scores he's also an elite all defensive team caliber defender um he's a guy who is very much on track to be a future hall of famer and I think has emerged as the best low post scorer in this league uh, Steve Kerr obviously kind of buttering up the Spurs a little bit, which was a theme during the playoffs during the first round, said that LaMarcus was the best low post scorer in the league. I don't think there's any question that Anthony Davis is even better than LaMarcus because he, there's nothing he can really he, – he, there's nothing he can't do. He, he can hit the three. He can hit the mid range, He can dunk. He can hit that hook shot. He can do 
everything that you would want him to do, and he can do it in so many different ways, off the dribble, you know, attacking, what have you. So um, off just catch and shoot opportunities, off pick and rolls. So um, there's – the thing with Anthony Davis is you're not going to ever stop him. I mean, he's he's kind of like a Steph Curry or a Durant in that way. You're never going to stop him. It's just about making life difficult for him. And I think the best way to make life difficult for him is to make life difficult on the guys getting him the ball. So make life difficult for Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday and those guys so that they can't get him good passes to find him open to get him good looks. But if they do that, aren't they going to have to play tougher and tighter on the perimeter guys like Rondo and these guys? And if they do that, then there's always the risk that those guys break break free and get to the middle. And if they get to the middle, then they got Anthony Davis ready for his – oops and all that stuff and that that's scary and and comparing him to Aldridge uh, to me Aldridge is obviously an all-star this year and a really really good player but it's almost like Aldridge is a player you designed and then then you had your scientists come in and do some more work and add in better features and more a, a better stronger will and all that stuff and you got Anthony Davis he just Anthony Davis to me just does so much more than Aldridge it's so, so much more of a feared player yeah, and obviously the big wrinkle in this whole thing is Miritich, who, as we already alluded to earlier, uh, was really key uh, in in coming after right at the deadline. He the first three times the Warriors played the the Pelicans, they won relatively convincingly, and that the, all three of those games, the Pelicans had a healthy Demarcus Cousins. So Cousins goes down with an Achilles injury. They trade for Miritich from Chicago at the deadline, and they really haven't missed a beat. You know, they I think their record, their winning percentage is, is around the same as it was before Cousins went down. And the one time that the Pelicans played the Warriors with Miritich and not Cousins was April 8th at Oracle, and they won by six points, and Miritich had 28 points and hit six three-pointers. And the Warriors didn't really have – an answer for him. Now, that game needs to be taken a little bit – it needs to be put into perspective because the Warriors at that point weren't really playing for anything. They were locked into the two seed. The Pelicans were playing for their playoff lives, so they had a lot more at stake. But um, it doesn't change the fact that the Warriors didn't seem to have really really have an answer for Meritage. And even when Meritage was with Chicago, they had trouble with him. And the one of the – types of players that the Warriors have historically had issues with is a a catch and shoot big man, a guy who can, you know, hit from the perimeter and also, you know, attack inside, but is really a spot up shooting big man. And that's what Miritich is. And Draymond has openly said he hates guarding guys like that because he finds it kind of boring because you can't, you can't really, what they do is they spread the floor and you can't help your man on defense. Yeah. Um, One thing you mentioned before, Anthony Davis is at his best on defense, when he can kind of hang back and, and be the patrolling guy, the, the law enforcement in the middle. And in a way, isn't Draymond a little bit, bit like that too? You know, you don't want Draymond out in the perimeter garden. Some, you want Draymond somewhere near the middle of the key where he can bust things up, where he can be weak, weak side help and just uh, be, the, be the sheriff of the whole deal, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And so – to me, Meritage is kind of the X factor for the Pelicans in this series because if he's able to hit open shots and and 
spread the floor, that just creates a lot of problems because then you have to pay attention to him. You, you, you're going to end up giving more space to guys like Drew Holiday and, and uh, Anthony Davis. And obviously Davis is the guy everyone talks about with this team, but Drew Holiday was absolutely phenomenal in that first round. He had 20, he averaged 27 points per game in that first round. I mean, he was incredible. And, and Rajon Rondo, who a lot of people kind of wrote off in his career a couple years ago, uh, has kind of had a career renaissance with, with New Orleans and is doing exactly what he does well and has been put in a situation where he doesn't have to do anything but play to his strengths, which is, you know, facilitate, get find open guys, and maybe every once in a while I'll shoot the occasional jumper when he's absolutely wide open. And he he did that to a T against Portland, and and uh, it's going to be on the Warriors to to try to get him out of a rhythm. Yeah, and w- when you look at the Pelicans, you, you know when you look at the Warriors, they're a team that that great team, and they've refined themselves, and then they had some dull drums, and then they've picked themselves back up. You look at the Pelicans, it's almost like they're a team that that halfway through the season became totally reinvented, and all their guys like like the coach Alvin Gentry, uh, you know, not long ago. Like sometimes last season, there was a lot of talk. Okay, he's done. They're going to fire him. They're going to get rid of him. He's not getting the job done. Um, guys like Rondo, you know, he he kind of fell out of favor in a lot of people's eyes. You know, maybe a little bit too selfish, not a team guy, and all that stuff. You got a lot of guys who who are uh, Holiday, always a, a really good player, but now he's stepped it up a whole level. It's almost like this group of guys who maybe didn't quite fit other places or didn't quite fit together. They're all finding themselves all at once at uh, right about this time, you know, just like all of a sudden they're just, we can do this. They're full of confidence. They've, they're full of purpose and everything. And that that's, that's why I think they're so dangerous. Yeah. So all that being said, um, what, what do you, who, who in your mind is the X factor for the Warriors in this series? X factor for the Warriors. <laughs> I'm gonna say um, I'm gonna go with with uh, I'm gonna go with KD because I feel like that's almost a cop out. I mean, come on. oh, that's a cop. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right, okay. X factor in every You're series. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Iguodala. I think Iguodala has he's he always plays great defense. He's got a he's got to play stupendous defense in this because he's gonna have a lot of tough assignments. Um, He's got to score. He's he's shown that kind of reluctance, and his three point shot is not that reliable. And I, it's not like all of a sudden he can become Steph Curry from the three point line. I understand that, but I think he's got to score a little bit more. Um, he'll have to score on the break some. He hasn't done that too much recently, I don't think. But he's gonna have to, you know, maybe take some mid range jump shots, maybe go to the hoop more. Um, they got a little get a little bit more more scoring out of, out of him, and. Uh, and just the whole leadership thing, you know, he's he's a key leader on the team, whether he's starting when Steph's out or when Steph comes back. Um, and defense is going to be so important against the Pelicans that uh, I think if, if Agadala plays like we've seen him play, <clears throat> rising to the occasion in the playoffs in the past, um, Warriors will be in good shape. If, if he kind of regresses, I think they're in trouble. I think you make some good points. Um, I think my X factor is Kevon Looney. Uh, if you look at this matchup, obviously the Warriors have been um, tinkering with that starting center job based off matchups. And I, if you look at this matchup, I think it makes a lot of sense to start 
Kavan. Um, obviously, he's not as big or lanky as you know, and Anthony Davis. But what he does so great is he's so good at switching off screens and gar- defending guards, and that's going to be, I think, really important in this series when you have someone like Drew Holiday, who's who's been so lethal. And I actually think he can hold his own as as well as really anyone the Warriors have against an Anthony Davis, and uh, you know he can go out, out to the perimeter and track Anthony, and you're not going to necessarily lose anything important. Whereas, like we alluded to earlier, you want KD and Draymond to kind of stay stay a little closer to the rim uh, if you can uh, if you can help it. So I think I think he's going to be key just from a de- defensive standpoint. Whatever he gives you offensively, great whatever doesn't really matter but this series is going to be is really going to come down to the Warriors ability to build off what they did defensively against San Antonio and you know at least make life difficult for guys like Davis and Meritage and Andrew Holiday yeah that'll be interesting with Looney to see if he's ready to, to step up you know this is a lot of pressure on him you know this is like a big time assignment for a guy who's never really faced this kind of pressure and uh you're right, and he's, he's certainly got the athletic ability and everything, and we'll just see if he's got the, the right mentality at this point because he's facing a lot of guys in the Pelicans who are veteran guys. They've got a lot of moves. They, they're really smart, and maybe he's still on the lower end of that learning curve in terms of NBA smarts, but uh, we'll see if he can do it. So as we, as we kind of mentioned, there's, there's a lot of good storylines in this in these playoffs, in this series, that's really what we all care about. I mean, I could, I don't root for anyone to win or lose a game. What I do openly root for is good stories and good storylines. Obviously, Alvin Gentry, Steve Kerr is a great one. Uh, I think Darren Ehrman is a great one. Um, Ian Clark, who is coming off the bench for for the Pelicans and having a, a decent year, is a good one. He was obviously a nice bench op- option the past couple years for the Warriors. Um, and the Warriors actually wanted to bring him back. Uh, they had every intention to, but they just didn't think they could afford him because with that spot, they didn't want to give a multi-year deal. And he, they actually probably would have given him a mid-level type deal only for one year, though, but they thought he was going to get multiple years somewhere. But because of the landscape of free agency last year, he ended up getting no multi-year offers and ended up having to sign a minimum deal, one-year deal with the Pelicans, which – was kind of unfortunate for him because if the Warriors had known that, they would have just brought him back. Uh, but now he's going to be a factor in this series. And also Quinn Cook, who, as we all know, has been the revelation, the biggest revelation for the Warriors this season and uh, ended up signing a, a guaranteed deal through next season with the Warriors. He was actually cut twice by these Pelicans. Uh, twice within the past two years and so you got to think that's a little bit added motivation the the pelicans you know they actually their weak point which we haven't really mentioned on this podcast is their bench they don't have a great bench they have a great starting lineup but there aren't a lot of guys in that bench that scare you ian clark solomon hill like beyond that there's just like shay diallo like I can't even name a lot of the guys on their bench. Like they're just, they're just, they're they're weak in that department, and they definitely could use a guy like, you know, a Quinn Cook backing up Rondo or Drew Holiday, and uh, they missed out on that one. So it'll be interesting if they're if they're uh, regretting that, you know, in this series. Yeah, and and Quinn Cook could be a, a an X factor in this too, especially uh, in the first couple of games or, or however long it takes Steph to come back. 
Once Steph comes back, if he's ready to go and ready to play heavy minutes and stuff, Quinn Cook might fade into the background. But f- at the start, first game or two or three, um, they're going to need a little bit of performance from him, you know, like they were getting towards the end of the season when he was getting 15, 17 points a game and sometimes more into the 20s. Um, if they can get that kind of scoring from him and, and a little bit of uh, as much defense as he can give them, but, man, if they can get uh, – say, 14 points a game from Quinn, Quinn Cook, I think that that's going to be a big, big help. So with all that being said, what, what's, your, what's your prediction for this one? I'm going to go uh, Warriors in six. I hope, hope I don't sound like too much of a rooter because, as Connor said, uh, we don't really root. We root for ourselves to get good stories. But that, just the way it looks to me, I, 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 maybe I'm believing a lot of the hype about how great the Pelicans are, but when I stand back and look at it, you got the Warriors, man, and, and who they have. So I say Warriors and six. I, I think that's a really good guess. I'm going to I'm gonna actually go with Warriors and five, and I think it's going to be one of those series where it's a really competitive five-game series. You remember West, Western Conference semifinals two years ago against Portland? That was a five-game series that felt like a six- or seven-game series because every game was competitive, um, and I think that's going to be the case here. Uh, I, I think that Steph's going to come back – uh, in game three, and I don't think there's going to be any real drop-off. I think they're going to be able to just build off that and, and move forward, and I think they're going to be really tough for the Pelicans to hang with once he comes back. And I think the Warriors are at least going to win one of those first two games at home. I think there's a very good chance they win both. So I'm going to say Warriors in five. Okay, buddy. All right. Well, we, uh, we'll we we'll be locked and loaded at sfchronicle.com. Um, throughout these playoffs, and you know, while you guys are at it, don't don't be afraid to uh, tweet at Scott or Scott and I, or even shoot us an email if you'd like uh, for New Orleans food recommendations. We all know that New Orleans is the food capital of America. It's selfishly why I'm really excited that the Pelicans won, just so I can go eat a bunch of good food in that city. We don't. And, and by the way, don't say uh, Denny's or Taco Bell. Yeah, come on. I mean, we we and we have pretty refined palates, right? We like yeah. I like I like uh Cajun food, I like French food, I like everything that that city has to offer. So, uh give us your recs and uh until then, uh you know, stay stay with us for all your Warriors needs. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little. This show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron and at Scott Osler. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback. 